Hello and welcome to Sober Town. This is King 13 on the train with you today and we are riding into the wonderful world of sobriety. And I'm about to pull into the station and I'm going to pick up um, a friend of mine, actually. She's a repeat guest, uh, a girl that I adore, a lady I adore. And um, But first, I want to give a shout out to Sober Town because, you know, Sober Town here, we're like a one-stop shop. Everything you need that is going to help you uh, either – Start and quit or maintain your sobriety, you will find it here. And there are that many books that we have recommended. That's how I started out. Start reading. And if you don't know what to read, start with This Naked Mind. That's all I'm going to say there. And from there, you can just take it. Um, But it's a fantastic resource for everything that you will need. And also the contributors of um, SoberTownPodcast.com and also myself and my guest, we all belong to a community called I Am Sober. And it is a free app you download. And you post and make it or make an account and post, and then you actually comment on other people's posts and you'll make friends. And before you know it, you'll have all the support and friends that you will ever, ever need. And this is how I met this lady. She's, um, I've known you know for quite some time now. In fact, she was brave enough to do her story. It is there, and I'm trying to think of the episode, but it doesn't matter because our great creator of Sobertown, Drifter, moved all the episodes of the podcast around, combined a lot of them, so we'd have to go back and check, but we can get back to that one. And she did a brave story, and it was great, and I've got to know her, and she's a terrific lady. And our topic today is going to be basically burnout, and she's been at the front lines of everything that has been going on, and she's kindly given me her time to come and talk to you today. And I love it a bit. And so it is Squirrel Monkey. Good morning to you, my returning guest. You're an old pro now. Ah, not a pro, but Good an old morning. professional. If you're Good an old morning. pro, if you're an old pro, I'm, I'm basically dying on a heaven pro. How are you? I'm good. I'm kind of expecting like this background applause sound of yay. Yay. <laughs> It's it's squirrel monkey. It's gonna get weird. Sorry. No, no, no. You'll have to. Uh, yeah, no, no. You'll have to improvise. I'll have to be the you know the crew and get myself going and everything. But I don't. I don't need a, a crowd. What do they call it? That person that gets the crowd going. I can do that. Yay! It's great to have you. Great to have you. Now, on a serious note, and we'll, and we'll get to all the laughter. You have a very serious job, and we've known about this for a while. And I actually stepped back and I saw you go through. Well, I've seen you go through a huge physical transformation in your sobriety, but that's been due to a lot of hard work too physically that you've done. But your job's demanding and I just, you know, I don't know how you've done it to be honest with you. And not only you, but we've seen other people too be so, so stressed during this COVID and pandemic time. So tell me about what your experience has actually been and I know you've been in therapy we'll get to that too yeah yeah so um for anybody that listened to the last podcast I was on that was wondering what I do for a living um (laughs) I work in healthcare (laughs) and I work in primarily CAT scan I do x-rays and occasionally help cover in surgery but I'm primarily the lead CT tech on our weekend shift so um I've done this for Oh gosh, 28 years I've been in the radiology field wearing one hat or another, but 
Um, yeah, so that's the main thing I do. Um, I work 12 hour shifts and it can be a little bit demanding. Um, and I always said, I wanted to have a job where there was job security. And when I was 23, I'm like, Hey, yeah, healthcare, there's always going to be a job in healthcare. And then COVID hit. And I started wondering what the hell did I do this for? (laughs) But yeah, it's been, it's been difficult at times. And I love my job. I, like I said, I work 12s and primarily weekends now. So that has honestly been because of burnout that I switched to the 12s doing the weekend shift just to kind of kind of lighten things up a little bit. Yeah, and look, I was looking um, looking at some, you know, me, I go down the rabbit holes and some, you know, I always like to have a definition. And all right, most of you out there know what burnout is. For, but for those of you, there may be different different angles that it comes from. And it says how, basically, that's not my, where is it? Um, oh, I'm looking for my little, my little, uh, that's the, that's how long does it take to uh, get out of burnout? Um, <laughs> no, I was actually talking about it is. It's basically that physical and mental exhaustion beyond the point where, you know, you just can't cope anymore. I don't know how people don't just collapse, to be honest with you, because I was in a, a really high stressful job, but it was different. It was very, very different. So talk about like the difference between before COVID and then, after because it had you in those 28 years prior faced burnt out and no, the- this was definitely a, a first for me and it actually took me a while to recognize it because those of us that go into healthcare whether it be nursing as and i will sing praises to the nurses of the world because i can't do that job it's so amazing and thank you to all of them but um we go into this, we go into the various aspects of healthcare, whether it is as a patient care tech or in nursing homes or dementia care, whatever we all go into, we go into it because we have this drive for compassion and for caring and wanting to help others. Um, it, it's where our strength is. It, it gives us our peace. It gives us our calm. It gives us, um, a focus and a purpose in our lives. And um, I don't know anybody that goes into healthcare thinking they're going into it to make money because even family practice doctors for the amount of hours that the doctors have to work, the money is not always worth it. So most people don't go into it because they think they're going to get rich. They go into it because they want to help others. And it's, it's a life of service. It's an act of service Mm. that you are doing and you do it because you take pride in it. And for years, I loved it. I loved every aspect of it from the hands-on um, patient care. I got out of the hands-on side of it for a while and, and got into practice management. And that wasn't really where my heart was. My heart was with taking care of patients and helping them. And I have a real soft spot for um, older people and the geriatric population, because so many of the ones that come in, they've lived amazing lives and they get just discarded and and treated like they are nothing. And I don't know. I just, I've always had this passion for them. And and I love to meet and hear the stories of our older population. And when they come in sick or they come in hurt, they're usually coming to CAT scan, whether it be because they've got cancer or because they've fallen. And that was just always where my heart was. 
I, I got nicknamed the old lady whisperer by some of my coworkers Aww. at one time because I, I, I'm good with the dementia patients. And, and a lot of that comes from experience. And it's very hard to do a CAT scan on a dementia patient who's terrified because they will try to climb out of that scanner. You've, you've got to have patience. You've got to have calm. You've got to have that presence about you that people will trust you, especially when they're terrified, whether it is a dementia patient or an autistic patient or someone who just um, has different anxieties or anything. It's just, that's where I always thrived and I always did best with that. And before COVID, I absolutely loved it. I, I never hated going to work and my job was never the same. There was always something different and um, different days that I worked, I might see routine patients from cancer treatment. And it was always nice to see them and, and just to, to be compassionate if they got bad news or, or be there to support them and listen to their stories and, and share experiences. Um, COVID kind of changed that. Um, and I'll be honest, me and a lot of people in my field, we got to drinking a lot heavier because mm -hmm. of COVID, yeah. because we take it upon ourselves. It is our career to put other people's needs first and um, to take care of their needs, to be there, to listen to them, to support them. And when COVID hit, that was a whole new ball game. And um, everybody that was coming to the hospital that was sick with COVID symptoms was immediately terrified, convinced they were going to die. Um, and then other people that, you know, I don't, I don't mean this terrible, but some people just have a neediness factor and it seemed like their neediness factor escalated to where heaven forbid you get out of your own bed to get your charger for your phone. That's three feet from you, <laughs> that sort of thing. And, um, it, it was amazing how that changed and, you know, we were overworked, underpaid. A lot of us are still overworked. Um, I recently had several people in my department quit. And so I, I got what, like three months of reprieve of us having a fully staffed department. So you, you go that long and you're taking care of other people's needs all day long. And I would come home at the end of the day and have a drink just to not feel, to, to unplug, to not feel, to decompress. And that's not, that's not healthy. That doesn't teach us to cope. It, it puts that numbness in there, but I never, it did not help. It didn't help matters. And um, I didn't actually start getting help from my, my burnout for quite a while, even after I finished uh, quit drinking. And um, I didn't recognize what burnout was. And that was a hard thing for me because, you know, I think of myself as being strong and being calm and, you know, not letting things happen, not letting things affect me or bother me. Um, I don't know, I guess maybe calmness was my mastery, if that's a way to put it. Um, and I kind of lost that. I lost that calm. I lost that control and what replaced it was numbness and, um, lack of empathy, um, apathy maybe is the right term to use. And that was scary. And I realized that, you know, something had to change because I would come home at night. I'd be completely numb. I wasn't finding joy in anything in my life. And we have to have joy. We have to have things that we, we enjoy and we have to have happiness in our lives. Right. And I didn't have that anymore. And that was terrifying. And I 
woke up one day not knowing where my happy was. And that was, that was hard. Yeah. And do you think too, that things got, was it the numbers too, that just increased that made that numbness that people were just, yeah. Could you get attached because you didn't have the time? You couldn't get attached. Um, you couldn't, you couldn't get attached. I mean, um, and it, and what I do, I don't have the hands on everyday long-term care with, with the COVID patients that the nurses do and that the doctors do where right. our aspect of it is. So our version of being on the front line, let me give you an example is if a patient comes into the emergency room, they come in either through the waiting room or they come in by ambulance. Um, they come in, we don't get all of their information in the radiology department. We don't know what all their signs and symptoms and, and issues are that they come in for. Half the time, the triage nurse is putting in an order for an, an x-ray um, and I go over and help them because I work weekends. And so I would go over there and help them because everything's just easier with two people. And we would go into rooms with no warning, no, no cautions, no nothing with uh, just a basic paper filter on no PPE. They had already taken all of our PPE away and we're, and we're saving it for crisis situations. We did not have it 95 masks, but we're giving all this information and we're seeing all the stuff that's going on in New York city about people being stored in, in, in the morgue trucks. And we're getting all of this this devastating news. Mm. And then we are giving this little piece of paper, yellow mask to wear for days on end and told to hang it up to dry and make it last as long as possible. And we're not even being given the necessary PPE or even the warnings, not even ju just the PEP, but the warnings that, Hey, this patient's a potential COVID patient. Um, so we were frontline exposed frontline people that were getting exposed constantly. And, um, my, I will shout out to my boss. She was, she was an avid fighter for us because we were demanding in 95 masks. We wanted at least to have one mask for each day that we worked. And then because you know, all over the internet, you can find out how to, how to decontaminate your N95 mask. So we were asking for just the basic PPEs to be able to get by with. And they told my boss, no. So that was very hard. So then we're all scrambling around, going to places like Harbor Freight, getting on Facebook, yeah. getting on eBay, trying to find our own N95 masks. And um, I personally had set up a decontamination zone outside of my garage or in my garage, and it had a hook on it. I had managed to trade a treadmill for eight and 95 masks. I had to trade to do this because this, that's how crazy things were back, back in 2020. And I had a hook outside in my garage and I did a different mask each day. And then on my days off, I hung them up in the oven and dried them out and did all the stupid stuff that you look back now and go, this was ridiculous. And did it even work? But it was stressful because we were, we were told that we were not, we were not close enough to the patients to need protective equipment. Anybody that's had a chest X-ray knows how close X-ray techs get to you. But I was going to say, hold on. I mean, I have my foot done and you touch my foot. I've had, mm -hmm. you know. We're stuff. right there with you. And for some reason, people lose their manners. Us. Yeah. And, and people lose their manners. They turn and cough in your face. 
and laugh about it. And there were, there were all these different things. So then you've got this petty stress Mm. that when you, when I look back on it now, I kind of laugh about it, but I can laugh about it now. But back then it was terrifying because here we're hearing all of this horrible news. Yeah, we didn't. And and we, we were, we were hearing about uh, cat scan technologists who got COVID and died Mm. and um, all of the healthcare workers that were getting it and them not paying for workman's comp and all this stuff. So, so you have this cap of stress that you can handle and they just keep pouring more into it and pouring more into it and expecting more and more from you while not doing anything to support that cap, to support and lift it up. And it was emotionally and physically exhausting to know that, yeah, we would see signs outside that said we are healthcare heroes while at the same time, knowing that they wouldn't give us personal protective equipment to do our jobs. And I have some bitterness and some, some ill will in, in, in regards to some of that. But at the same time, I understand um, we didn't know. We didn't know what was going on. We didn't know how bad it was going to get. I was in a part of the country that really hadn't had any problems so that we were just trying to be as protective as we could. But if you have that stress for yourself and then you examine or come into contact with 50 to 60 people a day, and you're being empathetic and supportive, you now have taken on their stress, their fears, their emotion. And I mean, it's like you're wearing a coat that just is absorbing everything. And you go home at the end of the day with, with nothing left, you're exhausted and you, your soul has nothing left. And it was terrifying. Yeah, and that's what exactly what they say here, that you can also experience burnout when your efforts at work have failed to produce results that you expected and you feel deeply disillusioned as a result. And that, again, is overload. Mm-hmm. That was a result of the pandemic, you know. And you said before, you know, you feel that every day at work is a bad day, feeling exhausted much of the time, feel no joy or interest in your work or even feel depressed by it, feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. by your responsibilities, you engage in escapism behaviours such as excessive drinking, have less patience with others than you used to, feel hopeless about your work life, sorry, about your life or your work, um, experience physical symptoms such as chest pain, shortness of breath, sleeplessness, heart palpitations. Make sure you see a physician. Yes, guys, get to your PCP. But that's what happens, you know, Mm-hmm. the body's rhythm, God knows what it's running at. Did you ever take your blood pressure during those times? <laughs> um, I had gone off of my heart medicine because I was trying to take really good care of my health uh, and I didn't need it. And I ended up back on my heart medicine yeah. for a while because I was, I would wake up at night and in a panic attack because of heart palpitations. Yeah. Yep. And I don't, I don't have to take it now, but um, yeah. And, and I would hate to think how bad it got at times and, and, but, you know, we being in the field for so long, you get that there's just something about it. It's a switch that you shut off and you just you just go and you just deal with it. It's not until you get home and then all of that weighs down. And that's when the anxiety starts. And, and when the grief starts, grief was a big one to deal with. Yeah, that's what they said. That's when the excessive drinking kicks in. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that's what you're dealing with, all those things, you know. 
Yeah, you just wanted to go away. And, and what was really ridiculous is you couldn't even turn on the TV to escape unless you were doing like movies and stuff, because all of the TV shows have it on there. There's no escape through watching your favorite TV shows anymore because all your favorite TV characters all have masks on or people are dying. And then it's on the news. You can't watch the news because, mm, no you know, news. You, this is a reality you live. You, you can't turn yeah. it on. no. So that's the normal routine ways of escape disappeared. And again, it gets back to why I love the serenity prayer. I couldn't control mm -hmm. what was going on with COVID. We didn't know. We're getting told to do one thing, the goal, told to do another. And as you know, my husband has a very scientific mind. He's a microbiologist. He's, you know, he knows a lot about this stuff and he knows a lot of people in California who are in companies that do yeah. this sort of stuff and, and provide medical, you know, treatments and everything. And he's just like, you know, he was, anyway, I'm not going to get into it, but there was one drug that was out there in the beginning and that actually could have just really, it was really helped in the end that everybody knocked back. So we didn't know what we were doing. They didn't know what they were doing, sorry, out there in mm -hmm. medical la-la government land, <laughs> you know. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, look, Nick, it does get stressful and it's not just, you know, you're, and all the frontline people too and everybody else. I would have had a sales and advertising background and when you have things like daily sales budgets to make and appointments to see people face to face and then paperwork and you have to do it repetitively every single day it is really difficult and then if the sale actually cancels and you actually have to make it up the next day that's even more difficult so you can find yourself at the end of a week down a deep dark hole in a big negative amount of money that you need to find new business to replace the other side of that coin is if you get a, a contract and you actually make more money then obviously you become successful so that was yellow that you know, the way yellow pages worked you know when mm -hmm. i was back in the day but it is, it's different sorts of stress. And I found the more that they pushed me because I was anxious and it comes with this sort of personality, I think, because I was fairly driven. I was very driven. But the more they pushed me, the more I pushed myself. I nearly pushed myself over the bloody bridge, <laughs> over the edge, because my heart would like, that's when I, went, that's when I got on high, like medication for high blood pressure. That's how I was drinking. We were in the bars after work every day, all of us because we was a huge sales team, because we covered the whole of the metropolitan region of, you know, Melbourne in Australia. And mm -hmm. and then we'd go into country towns. They send us off there for six or seven weeks, put us in motels to go and look at, deal with all the businesses around town. And they used to say, oh, look out, the Yellow Pages crew are coming. And all the pubs used to just clap and go, yay, because they yeah. knew it was good for business. Crazy, huh? Yeah, there, there's Crazy. a liquor store that opened what? up right across the street from the hospital. On the one side, I'm like, really? But on the other, I'm like, oh. that's kind of brilliant because it's literally right across the street from the emergency room. <laughs> but that's what we would do. Yeah. Well, who's going to go back to a motel room and just sit there no. when you're away from home for six weeks? Exactly. And even when you've dealt with so much stuff all day long, like in oh. healthcare, you don't want to go home. I can't even imagine. And so I'm in, I'm an empty nester and I, and I'm single. So I'm coming home to myself. I can't imagine how much more difficult it was and has been for those that then right. had to turn around and go home and, and take care of other people because I had nothing left there. There was just nothing left. And there's still days that I get home that there's nothing left. Um, 
And I recognized that. And I was in a relationship at one time and I warned him from the get go. I said, being in a relationship with a healthcare worker is hard. Yeah. And um, I think it was eye opening to him when, when COVID hit and he realized just exactly how hard it was because we had to sit down and have a talk with like, okay, this is what I'm dealing with at work. Do you still want to be in a relationship with me? Because, you know, I could, I could bring you home something and you could die. <laughs> so I, it was hard enough just for myself, but let alone to try to think of taking care of others. You just, you get to the point where there's just nothing left. And well, again, even, you know, we talk about all the different people. Everybody's stressed. The whole damn world's stressed at the moment, I think. But the mums, all the mums that had to homeschool, oh, my good. And there wasn't a day I used to think of them all the time because my sister's got a couple of kids, 14 and 16, and all they wanted to do was play sport and their fortnight and their computer games. And she was running a, you know, motel at the time too. <laughs> it's a lot. Women, and, and it's Happy International Women's Day today too, so – God bless oh, all awesome. the women out there. Yes, power to you. Feel empowered. If you're not empowered, get empowered, women. Find other empowered women because you can do anything and be anything that you want. Right. We digress and get back to it. But, yeah, that, the stress, you know, of whether it's work, home, everybody's dealing with it today. And what's the answer for that? Oh, I don't know. Let's go get num number one. Do you know 12.7? I was saying this yesterday um, in a podcast. 12.7% of Americans have an alcohol use disorder and they're expecting it to rise anywhere up to 27% because of all this that's been going on. Because, mm-hmm. and so many are undiagnosed. Mm-hmm. Just like we all were. We know so mm-hmm. many people that have come into the community of I Am Sober. We were all out there just like the others. And we, yeah. I know I did. I certainly drank more during COVID. Yeah, um, I, I was drinking a lot. And I can remember um, my coworkers and I, because on weekend shift, there were two of us and, and one did x-ray, one did CT, and then we had an ultrasound person. And our ultrasound person, I'll shout out to him all the time because he has been a lifesaver because he has stepped up and he's helped us. And, and he, he doesn't have to. He can go sit in his room and not help. But it, it was just two of us. And it was to the point where we were begging for help. We, we've got to have help, even if it's someone who just comes in for six hours in the middle of the day on the weekends, we need help. And administration said, no, they, they weren't going to pay for it. And I can remember standing in the break room with my coworker and my boss when she told us, and we both just started crying. Mm. We're like, we have nothing left. We are dying. We are, we were both going home and drinking like crazy um, to the point that we kind of laughed about it because we should have just drank together in case one of us overdosed on it instead of being at home by ourselves and it not being necessarily safe, but we both just started crying and my boss seeing that she was able to at least go back to the higher ups and we were able to get a transporter. It's a minimum wage high school kid job with no thanks, no glory, but they did finally get us some transporters that way. And that did help. It, it, it was kind of, you know, it might've been the first step in my mind on needing help. And I can remember going to my boss saying, you know, and I know our insurance covers mental health care. What about therapy for burnout? And 
they, they wouldn't cover it. Um, the same amount that, that our insurance would cover it the way it normally does, which is your copay and crap like that. But you don't get to choose who you go to. And, and it, it wasn't really an option. And I had put forth then, you know, if you guys are not going to give us help, you're not going to give us um, these, the equipment that we need and you're not going to give us breaks and you're not going to let us take our vacations. Why are we here? You've got to do something because of our mental health issues that yeah. were going on. Yeah, no. And, was- and they, they weren't. And that was, that was what floored me. I'm like, you can't just call us heroes and then just expect us to go home and drink ourselves to death and be okay with it. And they say that you cannot actually be fired for it. You have to go to HR as you did and say to them, I need help. They can give you a warning for, for poor performance, mm-hmm. but it's a one, two, three. You know what I mean? You've got to document. Yeah. I had a little, little bit of experience with this. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's just, yeah, you were working with a lot at the time. And even yeah. our other friend, 10 Seconds, who does what, very similar to what you yeah, do? Yeah, we're in the same, same field. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, she's actually gone, she's in another part, another state at the moment, doing mm-hmm. mobile. Like, I think yeah. she's traveling around and then coming back to Florida and all sorts of things with what you're doing. And she seems a bit happier. Well, you know, um, maybe it's strange. She, she's young. She- it, I, I think it's, it, it goes along with some of what my, um, so I started therapy. I, I do it. I started therapy online for burnout. It was specifically. So let's go back here. What, let's go back. What made you, let's go back. What were the symptoms and what made you decide and take action? So I was already um, working on my sobriety and um, everybody in our, our groups were talking about mindfulness and you need, you need to be mindful and use the 10, use the insight timer to help you be mindful. I couldn't shut my brain down and I'm sorry if I cuss, but I'm like, what the fuck do you mean mindfulness? I can't shut my brain off long enough to be able to do this. And so we would talk about it at different support groups and stuff. And I'm like, I can't, I don't know how to be mindful when I can't shut my brain off, especially post alcohol, because you know, your brain's constantly going. And that was kind of what started it because I listened to a podcast by Jay Shetty and it was, uh, it was like his mindfulness podcast and it was, he was recommending meditation and focusing your thoughts. And I'm like, Isn't okay, your, I used to do yoga. I can, I can do this. People, like, uh, people, if you could see her face, she's hilarious. She's so not, she's not, you're not buying it, but go on. Uh, but I'm like, okay. Just going to demonstrate so, now. Here we go. If, if you could see me, you'd see this. Just imagine me sitting on the floor, leaning against an exercise ball with my legs crossed and Indian style and my hands on my knee, on my knees going, okay, just, just meditate, just breathe, just focus, just, just be still and don't think. <laughs> <laughs> it is terrible. And I'm like, how, how the hell do people do this? I, I just, I start thinking about everything. And I'm like, this is not working. This is, this is crap. This is not going to work for me. Everybody loves Jay Shetty. And this is just bullshit. And then and- did you self-diagnose some, having some sort of, like I'm the same. It's hard, it's hard to get those, that mind 
once it's, it was it's on, it was hard and then like the next like day pulling up I, a flying. I, sorry the next day i get this notification on on my podcast thing i listen to podcasts that jay shetty has a new podcast out on burnout and i'm like okay i'll, I'll give this yoga mindfulness <laughs> dude another try <laughs> And I listened to this podcast on that he did on burnout and I'm like in tears. So I was, I was, I don't know, in awe. I was in tears. I was dumbstruck and I'm like, holy crap. That's what I'm dealing with. That's where I am in my life. I am burnt out. I'm burnt out on my job. I'm burnt out on my life. I'm burnt out on everything. I have no pleasure. I don't, I don't enjoy anything and I just want it done. And it wasn't depression. It wasn't suicidal thought. I was Mm -hmm. just done and numb. And I didn't recognize it until I listened to that podcast. And I went into that podcast with the, I'm going to hate this. I'm not going to like it. It's going to be crap. It's going to be full of this hooey crap of mindfulness and everything. And I was floored. And I love when that happens. Yeah, it, it still gives me goosebumps actually to think about. So I called my my employer, found out what kind of therapy we could do. And they said that you could do the six free ones that are the EAP, but you have to go to these people. And I interviewed the whole three people we had choices from. None of them dealt with burnout therapy. And I'm like, no, I, this isn't going to work for me. So I actually got on and I'm going to do a little, I don't know if I can do a little plug for the company I used or not, but if I can't leave it out, but I used betterhelp.com. And I just reached out to them. Um, it's not cheap. I'm not going to lie. But having gone through it, I, it's worth every penny of it. And I'm glad I was able to do it. But I talked to um, them, told them what I was dealing with, what I needed. And then I was in, I was in burnout. And if I didn't get help and things didn't change soon, I was going to do something really stupid and either get fired immediately or walk off mid-shift. Yeah, yeah you were getting to that, that yeah. fight or flight. Think you'd had yeah. you'd been fighting too long and the next yeah. one's flight. Yeah. Yeah. And I had already changed my schedule around um, trying to make things better. I, I'd gone to working the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every week. Um, and there the only other option was going to be to do that. And when I when I did my first session and we talked about what I was going through, I said, you know, I, I'm just I'm done. I'm done with everything. There's no joy in life. There, there's no I'm not seeing a point to anything. And I'm like, but I'm not, I'm not suicidal. I'm not that I'm not like that. And, and so she, she listened the first time. And then she, she told me a couple of things to try in, in books and stuff. And damn it. They talk about mindfulness and therapy, <laughs> but I know what it is now. And um, she taught me how to, how to get to that point that Jay Shetty was talking about with the meditating. And, and now I can do that. So we do but, it now. Good. Um, I had to start small. Um, I had to set goals. And at first I'm like, this is, this is stupid because the goal was to set up six things in life to do every single day for a month. And we had talked some about it in one of the zooms I was in, and it was also on some insight timer conversation and in a group I'm in. And I'm like, this is stupid, but I'm going to do it. And it was dumb stuff. It was like, get up at the same time every day. Number one, Um, brush your teeth 
was number two. Um, number three was take your dog for a walk. Uh, number four was have tea or coffee without turning on the TV. Uh, number five was 10 minutes of book time, whether it was looking at uh, my Bible or looking at a book I was reading, but 10 minutes unplug, no TV on, no nothing. And number six was get dressed and make your bed as if you were showing your house because I had sold my house once before. And I did that every day. And it, the part that was the hardest <laughs> was brushing my teeth <laughs> and getting dressed and making my bed. Those, those were the hardest. And I'm like, why uh, is brushing was, my teeth so freaking hard? Sorry, I was going to say, because you couldn't find them. <laughs> I thinking about my mum. She used to leave them beside the bed sometimes because she'd stick them in a car. Anyway, sorry, guys. You know, she had dentures. Anyway, yours are beautiful teeth and they're in your head. But yeah, no, isn't it funny? It gets back to that simple things, the things like we said. That for women, we now do a beauty. Like at night, I take, we take off makeup. Mm-hmm. Before you wake up and your mascara's down here and, you know, you're looking pretty as a picture. <laughs> Like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But I do, even yeah. last night, I didn't feel like taking on. I, I don't anywhere a bit of foundation because, you know, it's got a bit of rosacea still going on, you know, that red, ruddy, cheeky stuff yeah. that we hate from alcohol. So I put a bit of foundation on, but, you know, I didn't want to – I could feel it. I wanted a clean face, even if it's mm-hmm. just the, the wipes. So, ladies, you know, just little things, teeth and wipes uh, are good. <laughs> Yeah, that's that was was kind of an eye opener. I'm like, wow, these things were hard, and this is just to start my day. It's not even the whole day, it's to start your day stuff. And I'm just like, I'm done. I thought you were gonna say, get dressed. Yeah, well, thank god you wear a lab coat. Sorry, we 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 do this. We we have laughs. So you got to have fun in sobriety, people, because it is just that. It's just a a normal day without alcohol in your life. But you know, you got to find a way to calm down. And look, yeah. even in Yellow Pages, because they train you for six weeks, or they did back in the day before it all went online. This I'm, I'm going back a long time because this is like forty years ago. Shh. Um, I know what yellow pages are. We're good. Yeah, when the old books were out, <laughs> anybody old would know we had the old, you went to the yellow pages for everything. Now you go to Google um, or Pinterest or wherever. But yeah, <laughs> yeah and I forgot what I was going to say. See, that happens all the time. What was I saying, darling? I don't know where you were going with See, it, to be honest. We do this all the time. Life, <laughs> raw and unedited. Oh, we were laughing, talking about having fun and everything. And mm-hmm. it is true, you know, you do have to have fun. It is serious and we are serious about our sobriety. But it's just life. People, yeah. my stepdad didn't drink. I used to think all the time, my come he's, he's always up late and he's listening to my uncle Ann all night. And he always had fun. He was the one that everyone danced with. He was just, you know, yeah. You that can was actually people. something we talked about um, in my counseling oh, session. And finding solutions, that's where we left it. But go yeah. on, go back to your counseling yeah. session. Much more so interesting. That, well, and it kind of goes along with it because in one yeah. of the counseling sessions, it was talking about um, setting a pattern and setting what we need, what you want for your life and, and setting a goal. Um, and she told me, I wrote it down. And I rewrote it down so I could read it. But she told me, no matter the condition of your life, you have to learn to let go and find contentment. Mm 
Right. And when she told me that, I'm like, oh, that's good. Hang on. I'm going to write this down. And <laughs> so I actually had it on a sticky note on my, on my um, cabinet. And then the next week I'm like, but I don't know how. And she's like, what do you mean? You don't know how I said, I don't know how to let go and find mm. contentment mm. at this mm. time. Mm. And I said, and that's really sad because I wasn't, I didn't used to be like this. And so she gave me, is it an anac- Is it called an anacronym when you have the letters that stand for things? Whatever that's called. Or she, an allergy, gave, an allergy or actually. I, I don't know. I'm kind of like what ACT, what ACT stands for, the ACT is kind of like what that stands for. But, oh, um, oh, right, yes. But what she gave me was called asking because yeah. I'm like, how, how do oh, I let go, acronym, number one, and yes. how do I find that contentment? And right. she said, okay, well, she gave me an assignment for the next time. And it was called asking. And I had to go back yeah. to my notes to find all of yeah. it. Um, it's A-S-K-I-N-G. So you're asking, like asking for help. Mm-hmm. And it was um, accept, accept, which is accept the past and what's done is done. And that meant a lot to me because, you know, that also let me let go of my wallowing in grief, my wallowing in alcohol and everything else. Um, S was set your goals, daily imagining the outcome you desire. So this was after I had done the two weeks of barely making it through my six things I was supposed to do. And and I'm like, crap, she's going to tell me to set more goals. (laughs) But she pointed out, you know, daily imagine your outcomes that you want in your life. K was keep at it. You keep working on your goals until it becomes easy. And when she told me that, I'm like, that ain't going to ever happen. (laughs) Um, I was in invitation. You invite new ideas in your life. You invite new people into your life. You refuse to recreate the past. Um, In work, it's very hard to not keep holding on to past things that have happened and be angry and hold on to that. So you have to invite new, new things into your life. Um, N was about negotiating and that's, that one was probably better for me than anything. Um, it's negotiating your obstacles for me. That meant no pity party. Um, keep my eye on what I wanted to do, what my goal was. If I needed to negotiate it, I would even negotiate it at work. Um, I would negotiate with myself. If I, if I didn't want to brush my teeth, like no pity party, you're going to do this. If you do this, we can do this. And then the G was, was about gain. And, um, that one, I, it was probably easy for me. It was about gaining momentum, gaining through the process, being willing to put, to put in the effort so you can gain the prize at the end. Mm-hmm. So, um, accept, set goals, keep at it, invitation, negotiation, and gaining. Those were what they were for. And, um, she told me that, how'd she put it? The more effort you invest into yourself, the better your life is going to be and the more peace you will find. And that still gives me goosebumps because as, as a mom and as I, even when I was married and especially in my job, um, everything I invested was for others um, in service of others, not myself. So that's probably been one of the biggest things I learned through doing the counseling for burnout was investing in myself. Um, I don't know how to be self-centered. I don't know how to be selfish. I don't know how to 
put my needs first. Um, it's always been about, okay, well, what will make their life easier? What will make this smoother for that person? And I even did that when I was in my relation, my last relationship that failed. Um, if something was stressing him out, I would adjust to try to make things easier for him. That's just the type of person I am. Um, I had to learn to invest in myself instead. And that meant letting go. And that's hard. And you know what? It just seems to me like you put your professional language into your personal life Mm -hmm. because you were so nurturing there. You just continued it when you came home. You didn't, you know, but I don't know in the same or different way, but it was hard. Not that you shouldn't be nurturing to your partner or anything like that, but you couldn't stop giving. You know, that's, and it's, they say, you know, that first year we talk about just stop drinking. The second year now is about working all that out, working yourself out. What do you need? What do you want? What works for you? What Mm -hmm. doesn't work for you? And again, we make readjustments, don't we, as we go along all the time. It's forever changing because you can't say that what motivated you maybe three months ago is motivating you now because, Three or four months ago, what was motivating me was to stay sober and still keep eating anything I wanted, and that's not my motivation today. Yeah. Um, you know, at 14 months next – is it this week or next week? Next week, I think. So, you know, you, you do. And that's a good thing that we do learn, but we've got to have these tools, and these tools are great. That asking is terrific. And that's yeah. like my friend Jay with his four Ps, you know, if you're going to, even if you're going to stop, you know, you can prepare to stop. And some people say that your sobriety date picks you. I don't know if that's actually true. I think it's a, I never really thought about it until someone mentioned it to me, which was kind of cute. So it you picked can do, me. <laughs> it, it picked you, yeah. Well, it's funny. I said, my, as I said, I keep saying my I am sober date that I joined is at 6.11 p.m. at night. <laughs> I've, I've cracked it at about 5 o'clock, got on the app and obviously put the bottle down and I had my last drink then. I, I can yeah. remember. It was so funny. So that was that was it, yeah. I cracked mm-hmm. it on a – I think it was a Sunday night or something. It was just funny. But um, that's what happens. See, people, you, you eventually can see the light even though it's been knocking for a while. But, you know, you, you can mm-hmm. do it. And we – yeah, stay here. How many? How many days now? What? I've, yeah, a thousand between us or whatever. And you know, here we are. And you can laugh. I mean, you do. You actually laugh really at the silliest things, as we we just yeah showed you. Anyway, but the tools. Okay, let's give them some tools. Um, and 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 talk about with therapy. Then you found what was working now because mm-hmm. yeah. you see, I mean, you're looking really good and a lot less stressed. I don't know that the workload has diminished somewhat. Well, it was, it was state? nice while it lasted, but we're, we're back to um, not necessarily being in the best of places. And <laughs> um, we actually um, had three people quit in one day. I'll, I'll turned in their notice the same day. And then two more, two more, not in my, in my modality, but in my department have also turned in their notice. And I had actually decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be like 10 seconds. I I need a change of pace because with letting go and finding my, where I'm content, my content, happy place is where it's always been. And that's hiking that's out in nature. Um, dirt therapy, that's just where I want to be. And especially now with, with, you know, inflation, traveling is not quite as financially easy. So (laughs) I had, I had planned on, um, 
this next Friday, giving my notice. Um, and because so many people are quitting, I was going to be nice to my boss and I was going to give my notice that, um, I was going to leave and join a travel company and go travel because 10 seconds travels and loves it. My best friend, she travels and loves it. And I thought, you know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go travel because it's not about, I now know it's not about me and my job. It's not about me and the compassion and the caring I'm doing in my job. I'm looking at my job as just the means to be able to do what I enjoy doing in life. And my job is not my identity. And that is so nice to say out loud, but um, my, my goal was to start traveling. Yeah. I can go these places. And my mom would say too, you know what? It's just a change of scenery, you know, change is like a holiday. And that's, I think, because 10 seconds said to me, she's in Georgia at the moment. She's like, Oh, I'm really looking forward to getting back to Florida. So not only that, here you go, peoples. You know, this is the option too. If you get, I, I left and sold my apartment in Australia and went and lived in Hong Kong and worked and lived at the Shangri-La Hotel. And if you are single and you have no responsibilities, there are jobs out there, i.e. Mm-hmm. what Squirrel's talking about, that you can get out there, do it. It is such, I, I had no, <laughs> I had no expenses, none. Yeah. All I had was, are you available and do you want to be prepared, though it's highly stressful? But it it was, it was, it was extremely stressful, especially in China where I couldn't speak the language. But, you know, interpreters, whatever, you get, the funny thing is, the craziest situations that I have been through in life, you get through them. You just do. You find a Mm -hmm. way, you know. They're going to kill you probably most of the time. You might feel a bit silly sometimes and say the wrong things like I did many a time in many different language, but it's okay. If they laugh, who cares? Yeah. Well, and one of the things that that I was told in my therapy session was, and I wrote it down, which she said, I'm like, oh, that's good. Give me a second. Um, Was for something new to emerge within me, I must be open to change. And that that's been my thing. And I've, I've been slowly preparing to do that. And then I got hurt at work and now I have to have surgery. Uh, so yeah. I, I don't get to quit on Friday. <laughs> so t- today I'm, I'm a little bit pissy and emotional and I'm trying not to take it personally. And it's not like I can do revenge or anything like that. It's not going to help because, you know, everything in our life is impermanent. There's no permanent to any, any of it. You know so what? I just I can, look at it as, you know, once I get it fixed, once my shoulders fixed, then I can go do this. And it's somebody's way of telling you to slow down. That's yeah. what I, every time I did my ankles, which were a few, a lot of sports injuries and I would, Yep. Again, you know, be be on the crutches. And yeah. I used to, everyone used to say to me, you know, someone's way of telling you to slow down. And yeah. we tend to be balls in China shops, you know, you know, you know, and you with all that, and she does, she's, um, she's mistake a hike. It's beautiful. She's out there all the time in nature, always looking her happiest. Aren't you? And all this professional. Uh, yeah. She's very professional when she gets out there. I don't know what, but she. Professionally <laughs> falling on my face and getting muddy, maybe. And you take, and you take beautiful photography. So people, that, that, that's another thing you can do out there, people. Take, take a hike. Yeah. <laughs> you should trademark that. <laughs> Someone already did. Oh. oh wow. So, yeah. You know, um, 
So then now, so I was reading too, let's get back to this. This burnout, they said that it takes basically 12 to 15 weeks, I was reading, mm-hmm. after treatment to basically get better. So mm-hmm. what is your what is your time? That's a lot, you know, that's that hits you hard. That's a bit of a long time oh. frame too. Because, I mean. So I've been sober almost eight months, and I started burnout therapy at – I was sober three months at that time. Oh, oh. So that's when I started therapy. Um, I didn't start really benefiting from it until I was about six months in. But it it was three months when I started it because that's when I started listening to the podcast. And that's when I was getting more involved in going to the Zoom groups for support and different people were offering this different, different information. But yeah, it was about three three months of that. And I only, I didn't, I didn't do therapy a long time. I did it every other week with lots of assignments in between, just because I, I was paying a lot out of pocket. Um, but it was three or four months before I really started noticing that big of a difference, mm. but it, it was work. It was not it's, simply sit in right. my therapy class and, and everything's going to be fine. It was a lot of reading. It was a lot of work, a lot of homework, and I don't, I don't want to do any of that, but you know, right now I don't want to turn on the TV because I don't want to deal with COVID. Right. Uh, what else was that going to do? I'm not going to drink. So I had to do something. I know. Right. <laughs> and, and that, that's, <laughs> you don't drink. it's true. You've got to do something. You've got to stay busy. That is so, so, mm-hmm. so important. It really, really is. And what else did you come up with? Because I had a few things in the back of my mind, but I'll cover them at the end. What else? But the thing is, you said work, W-O-R-K, people. That's what you have to do, whether it's sobriety, Mm -hmm. like me getting off your butt and losing weight, whatever it is you need to do, it's going to take work. Yeah. Right. I'm staying, staying busy, finding, finding things to do. Um, Don't just sit at home in the middle of it. Yes. Yes. I was burnt out, but sitting at home doing nothing and being numb wasn't fixing anything. I, I had to find, find my passion and find that, that, that drive. And, yeah. you know, if you don't like the condition you're in, change the conditions. <laughs> yeah. And look, the thing is, you've got to find relaxation techniques that help. This is mm-hmm. it. At the end of the day, everybody's going to get stressed. We're going to have normal things in life that come up, bills, whatever it may be, uh, things that, and boy, have some people been disappointed in the last two years. You know, a lot of us that are a long way from home can't, couldn't get home. People missed out on seeing relatives. I had a lot, you know, we all know people who missed people that maybe passed away and they couldn't see that. I mean, it's just been, you know, ongoing and terrible. But the other thing, mm-hmm. getting back to Yellow Pages, because it came back to me, was the 888 rule. And, and they say, you know, 24 hours in a day. And if you want to have balance, and it really is something that, you should be able to, if you're really strict about it, you should be able to astringe to if families with young kids, maybe not. But it's eight hours work, eight hours play and eight hours sleep. And eight hours play, maybe family time, you know, when you're home together, all that sort of stuff, dinner time, whatever. But it's when they all get out of whack that you just, mm-hmm. you know, and we all talk about homeostasis. That's homeostasis. That's ideal homeostasis yeah. right it may it may not actually happen um there was something else somebody told me the other day and that's gone out of my head but that'll come back so go on what were you going to say Jacinda? i would definitely agree with that because that was one of the things i was doing um when i was burnt out to stay busy i was working more and i had to start saying no um 
And that was hard at first, but now I do not, I would apologize because I, I would say no. And now I work my shift. I do not apologize. I do not fill in. And when people ask me, or if my bosses say, Hey, we'll pay you this. I'm like, my, uh, no money is not worth my mental health. And it has been such an amazing amount of peace. And I don't know, I kind of take the attitude now of a used car. I lived my life. I live my life and accept my life as it is. Um, and as is, is pretty awesome. And I don't apologize for it. No, and, it, and it's so true, that balance. And you know what? I know with work, unfortunately, the more you give, the more they want. And they, you're mm -hmm. probably giving too much in the first place, you know. And that's just the way of today. And I don't mean to be harsh, but I was going to say that back in my day, I mean, when I was – things are just different today. You know, I've got – even the younger kids are stressed because they haven't oh, – I'm talking early 20s, 20 to 25. I know, you know, even my niece – you know, qualified, whatever, graduated, and still having trouble working out where they fit in. And I keep mm -hmm. saying, don't worry about it. You're still young. There's no rush. Yeah. You know, I say to you people, like take your time. You know, your qualifications aren't going to go away. You can value add to that no matter what you do. And as I said, travel's a, a, a very important thing. My stepdaughter came out of UCSB, went to in San Diego now, is working for a biotech company, but her goal is to get to Belgium and she will. And she's going mm -hmm. to do now, she's worked out that there's some referral program for, she's going, she's working it out. She's yeah. finding a way because with visas and everything over COVID, it was obviously completely impossible. But that's her goal. Have your dreams. Go out while you can before you settle down, mm -hmm. you know, and plan something. You've got to have a little holiday, little weekenders, little getaways, whatever it is that that may be. There's that other thing when you have anxieties and panic attacks, right? They say the five, four, three, two, one rule. Mm -hmm. When you're five, look at some things, just look, look. Well, they say smell for three, hear three or something. I can't remember what order it goes mm -hmm. in, but just focus on, yeah. So just look at five things, people, and then basically hear four things, whatever whatever order you want to do, just put some space and time between you and the panic and take deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth. That was one of the classic things that someone that I shared a home with taught me when I was younger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> In through your nose, out through your mouth. And even if you get a paper bag or whatever, you know, because hyperventilating and anxiety is just debilitating. It is a crusher. Mm -hmm. But thankfully, in sobriety, I have not suffered a bit in 14 months. Thank the That's outstanding. Yeah. Oh god. I think it helps to have it helps to have a goal. Um my best friend Heather, she said that a, a friend of hers does like career counseling and stuff like that. And she had passed this on to me when we were talking one night and she, and we had actually gone on vacation together. And she's like, because we were talking about jobs and how she's loving travel and all this. And she's like, be a role or don't be a role, be a soul. And I'm like, that's actually pretty awesome. Um, my job doesn't define me. My career doesn't define me. Yes. I can say that now because I'm 50 and I'm not so career driven, but I look at my daughter and she's 24 and she is a free spirit soul that is out there just enjoying her life and loving every minute of it. She's not tied down to a role in a position. And I kind of look at her at her a little bit as inspiration. And yeah. 
I, I made a, a vision board and I'm sitting in my office and I keep looking off to the side because my vision board is there and it's the goal of what I want to do this year. And I always thought vision boards were kind of stupid. I would go to these different things and people would do crap. And I'm like, this is just lame. But now I have this vision board up and, and it's the goals in my life because, you know, I am a soul and my soul wants to explore and what I do for a living doesn't matter. It, it pays the bill so I can go do what I love to do. Yeah. And my stepdaughter is an inspiration to me. You know, it is Women's International Day, as I said today in the USA, because <laughs> of all the global time differences. And <laughs> she is, you know, even with drinking and stuff, I said to her, you know, with drinking, what about, do you drink much? And she said, no, I don't really like that. I don't like the taste of alcohol. Awesome. End of story. I've seen her, she will have like one drink if she's out and about, like in Vegas, she'll see her with the one drink. But she's not interested in it and she's been, you know, she's an academic and, and they have so much fun. She hikes, she goes everywhere. They've just been... They're away every weekend and her workplace, and this is the thing, people, you will find all your friends too in your work environment, things to do. She was playing softball with them. You know what I mean? They, they go away at weekends. They went to Dis- they went to LA and went to Disneyland. So there's so many things by just getting basically out there and even any sort of job. It doesn't have to be, but a lot of companies, you know, are social and that's a good way to de-stress too, whether you're playing sport or just maybe mm-hmm. you want to run away from them all and get away and go home and not be with the people at work. And I understand that too. But if you've got a nice yeah. company and you want to be with them, I've, I've been lucky, you know, with big companies, you can usually find a little group mm-hmm. of two or three people that you really like. So, but well, sometimes in order, yeah, you have to do stress. You have to find what, what works for you. But um, one thing I thought about with healthcare is, you know, if I keep clinging to the old and the way it was, it was going to make it very difficult for me to find something new. And so I stopped clinging to the old, I stopped clinging to the yeah. old mentality because yeah. I wanted to find something new. And luckily for me, it, it hasn't been a career change. But you got to do what you need to do because if you keep hanging on to what, what's not working, you're not getting anywhere. Yeah, no, and they reckon, you know, with uh, obviously with grief and you've, for the listeners, uh, Squirrel's yeah. been through a lot of loss. We both have, but hers more recently. Within five years, I think, what were we talking? How many people? Uh, I lost my brother, my mother, my father, and two of my coworkers. Two, the two coworkers were to suicides. And yeah, and my engagement ended. And that, that with everything, yeah, that was. And again. There's been a lot of grief in my life. <laughs> I think we can call that the emotional component that completely wore you and burnt yeah. you out. See, and that's the thing, people, this is why you can't always control what is going to happen in your life. In fact, you can't. And I agree with her. Um, The acceptance is so huge to accept that what has happened just has. It -hmm. just has. And it's okay. Just like it's okay to not be okay on days. Things will change. You know, you'll, you'll come back up. We all have down days, but you will manage them so much better. In sobriety, you just do. And your your clarity of mind to make decisions and your judgment. And the the biggest thing, as I always say, is the trust, the trust in yourself and the trust in, you know, other people will have in you as well. You'll notice a huge difference. Give it six months and people start commenting. 
like, oh, wow. It was like looking back, you know, you do, you will. And you, do you think that people aren't noticing? All of a sudden they just do. One day yeah. it starts clicking and everybody starts commenting on how fantastic you look and everything else, you know. I don't think they necessarily realise what grief does and people that haven't been through grief. I don't think they recognize it. Um, I've been very fortunate in that one of my coworkers who's as young as my daughter um, and just left me dang her because she got a better job, (laughs) but she's been through a lot of grief in her life. And she, she and I talk about it and she's noticed a big difference in me. And it's because I think people that have had an immense amount of grief and heartache and heartbreak recognize it in others and recognize the change. And I had read a book. I'm going to read this to you. I had read a book that someone on I Am Sober recommended to me called The Five Invitations. And it's talking about grief and loss. And it said to heal, you must forgive. And And this part I wrote, I must allow myself to feel my grief, my suffering, my burning hatred and disgust, trying to ignore or bury it is futile as it resurfaces of its own volition. I have to allow these things to surface and then I have to touch them with mercy. And that meant in order to heal and to forgive, I had to forgive myself and and, and deal with myself and with mercy in a way that, you know, I've, I've treated all my patients with, with empathy and mercy and grace. And it took reading that to heal. I have to forgive in order to recognize that I, I needed to face my grief. And until I faced my grief, I would not heal. And part of that came forgiveness because in some of what happened, there was a lot of hatred and it, hatred in my job, hatred in my, in my relationship, hatred with my friendships, but you just, I, I couldn't do that anymore. I had to heal and oh. yeah, grief fucking sucks, but you, you grow from grief the same way you grow from a divorce. And like everything else, there's not just one way to do alcohol. There's not just one way to do grief, you know. Mm. Um, and that's what mm. I'm learning. You know, I talk to, as you know, I tell you, I talk to my mum all the time and dad's always with us. So I don't have to talk to him because he never leaves her alone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that it's whatever works for whoever, whatever makes you comfortable and takes mm-hmm. that pain away. And that pain, will it doesn't go away. Yeah. Um, it just... You just start remembering the better things. You know, it goes, the emotion changes. It goes from sadness and anger and everything to just, God, that was a good time. Or, oh, God, I remember, you know, I say things so often and I hear my mother's voice all yeah. the time. Look out, people, wait till you hit 60. <laughs> I'm yeah, 60. And I, I think that. Oh, my God, there she is. I think that's part of what has been helping me because when I started drinking more was when my relationship ended and that was very, very hard on me. Um, I'm still working through it. I'll I'll get there eventually, but it kind of in a way came full circle because the relationship ended because of alcohol abuse. And my, I sat with my dad when he was dying because of his alcohol abuse. And that was when I quit drinking completely and took it out of my life. And, um, that has in its roundabout way been a good thing because it I'm trying to figure out the best way to say it, but it has been a journey back to myself. Um, my dad dying and my relationship ending and losing my mom and that on top of everything I went through with work 
and all of the burnout, all of the compassion I had, all of the kindness I had, all of the love that I had um, was gone. And by going through this grief and working through the grief process and doing, and the five invitations book was really good at working through the grief and helping me find that feeling of compassion and kindness again. Mm -hmm. But losing my dad was hard, but now that's my motivation. And that's part of my vision board that I have, because when one of the last completely cognizant conversations I had with my father and I called him after I had gone to Colorado and I climbed not, not the full mountain, but I climbed a smaller mountain, a mountain to a Missourian. <laughs> and it was only like 12,220 feet, but I'm at 300 feet above sea level. So this is massive. And I called him and I told him, I said, you would not believe what I just did because I get my adventurous spirit from him. And he's like, what'd you do? And I'm like, I just climbed a mountain. And his response was, well, shit. <laughs> and I just laughed and laughed. Oh, and so my goal this year as part of healing and sobriety and forgiveness and moving forward and building that life that I desire is I want to climb a, a 14 footer, a 14,000 footer in Colorado. And I, my goal is to climb Mount Sheridan, Mount Sherman and go over to Gemini Peak. And I have ordered a hat that says, well, shit on it. <laughs> that way my father's with me. And by deciding to do that, that has helped me process some of that grief. And like you said, you, you start to have those, those fond memories. And by doing that and even creating that vision board, I can also now look back on my old relationship with fondness and look at, look at the good and have forgiveness and kindness and love and compassion towards that, which means I am growing. I'm letting go of the anger and the resentment. And I never would have done or gotten to any of this if I hadn't done the burnout therapy, mm -hmm. because you can look at it and go, Oh, well, I know these things, but there's just something about someone else telling you these things and you having the assignment and doing the work that you might've known it, but did you really know it? So, yeah, the work that's exactly yeah. what it's about yeah. doing the work because then you've got absorption, you know, you're going through mm -hmm. the whole motion a bit like when you're letting it out, you know, if yeah. you're and everything else. All right, well, look, we're gonna wrap. Have you got any more notes here? Because we're gonna wrap it up. We've been chatting here like no, it's I been think great. I got and yeah. I'm gonna talk to you when we, when we close this off. We're gonna have a little chat about another topic that just came up and went bing as you were chatting away there. So, yeah, okay. So you did get through all your therapy notes because there's yeah, a lot to yeah. uncover. Stress yeah, is never going to go away, you know. People, I, I highlighted something, and, and um, I'll just I'll just read this to you. Okay. So everybody that knows me knows that I, I hike. Um, I waddle through the woods rather hysterically, but I hike. And someone told me once that um, you can't rest if you're busy. And I disagree with that. I totally believe the body can be busy and still have a calm mind. Can I meditate to this day? Oh, hell no. Can I sit on my silver ball and try to meditate and focus and, and breathe and all, all that Jay Shetty BS? No. Um, but if I'm hiking nine or 10 or 12 miles, I am just as serene and calm as possible. So what's calm and mindfulness for one is not necessarily for another. My mindfulness I had to find in my way. And sometimes what works for one doesn't work for another. Oh, um, right. Yep. Many ways. Well, a 12 mile hike may not be mindfulness for some people. Yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> 
did you say one or two mile hike? Oh, you said 12. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Next. <laughs> I'd have to work up to that one, take a hike. <laughs> That's what I call her. That's I think, the, I think the highest I've done is 16. So. <laughs> well, good for you. Good yeah. for you. Good for but, you. It, but it's my mindfulness. It's where I can yeah. meditate. Yeah, so. look. It is. Yeah. And as I said, whatever makes you relax. You know, I like my music and I will. I will get back into it. Um, I'd love to start playing tennis again and again. We, you know, we all know. We know people. But you've got to manage it. Here's the thing. You can't ignore it. You've got to manage your stress somehow, whether it's a sport, mm-hmm. you know, sporting, sporting, talking, moving, shaking, dancing, whatever it is you need to do, hobbies. Not drinking. Not drinking. <laughs> thirty. They reckon 30 minutes a day, people, that's all we have to do. So let's try and keep this down. Um, I'm sure that we'll be back to talk to you some more. I want to thank you for joining me today. It's Thanks been for great. inviting me. No, no, really, I, you know, as I said, um, Squirrel's got so much experience, 28 years, as you said, in imaging and, and, and what she does and technician. It's just amazing what she does. And I, I saw her go through all the stress and I was shaking my head thinking, yeah, I wasn't surprised you went through it. And hopefully you never will again. I pray that again. you never do and we're never in that situation. So thanks for joining me. Um, I'm going to sign off as King 13. Please, everyone, pour the poison down the sink. As I said, go and have a listen around Sober Town now and have a look. We've got over, I think, 200 podcasts now, which is something for everyone. And as I said, Squirrel Monkey has also had her story um told and she's yeah she's there too so everyone take care i will be back and i am gonna see you all very very soon